0: Hi, I'm David Freudberg, host of Humankind. I've always been fascinated by the human voice, which experts say is as unique to each person as their fingerprint. In these podcasts, we celebrate the human voice in all its wonderfully diverse forms, young and old, different accents and cultural contexts. Writers sometimes struggle to find their own voice but you can kind of tell when someone is speaking from a place of authenticity and integrity. That's when I most love listening to voices. Thank you for listening. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and Documentary Educational Resources. This special project, Living on the Edge, is supported by the Humankind Program Fund. Why in the wealthiest of countries do so many Americans struggle to make ends meet? You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. There are people in this world so hungry that God cannot appear to them except in the form of bread, said Mohandas Gandhi of India, who worked to uplift his people from rampant poverty. By contrast, the United States is the richest country that has ever existed. Yet even in this land of plenty, the poor have always been with us. Mark Rank is professor of social work at Washington University in St. Louis.
1: What happens when you look over the course of people's lives is that things happen that they didn't anticipate, like losing a job, getting sick, a family splitting up, having a pandemic occur. When these things happen, they're very much at risk of falling into poverty.
0: Which occurs far more often than many people may realize, especially in these times
1: of head-spinningly rapid economic changes. Between the ages of 20 to 75, 60% of Americans will experience at least one year below the official poverty line, which is a very conservative measure, and 75% of Americans will experience either poverty or near-poverty. You know, and people ask me, how how could these numbers be so high? In part because
0: tens of millions of Americans are barely getting by as it is. We saw this at the height of the pandemic when community food pantries were suddenly swamped with long lines. The precarious condition of people undergoing hard times was dramatized by Michelle Pfeiffer as the title character in the 2017 film Where is Kira? Here she visits her ex-husband, humbly asking for a loan
2: I mean you know how hard I've worked and it wasn't my fault that you know they downsized me out of a job that was two years ago and ever since then I have been looking every day I I don't even know how many how many resumes I've dropped off there are other jobs you know I know that I have tried everything And am reduced to handing out flyers on parked cars and praying every day that I even have that.
1: The statistic about, you know, 35% of Americans don't have $400 in in, in case of an emergency shows you that there are many people right on the edge. You know, the expression of living paycheck to paycheck applies to that 35% of folks, that they are just barely making it. And if something happens, it's like a domino effect and it will throw them into poverty.
0: And as documented in Mark Rank's recent book, The Poverty Paradox, the
1: safety net may not offer as much protection as we might expect. There's not a lot out there to protect people. You know, the United States is is really um, steeped in this idea of rugged individualism, that, you know, you do it on your own, you don't depend on others, you certainly don't depend on the government, and um, and that's the way it is. And so, you know, if stuff happens to you, you know, good luck. <laughs> you're, you're, you're largely on your own. She
3: only has
2: two.
1: This is a food pantry
0: run at a church in Watertown, Massachusetts. Currently, it's open once a week for four hours.
3: They really need help. A lot of these people are, uh, we're getting a lot of new families. we got about 15 in line.
0: (laughs) The pantry offers cereals, good bread, canned beans, some fresh foods, milk, eggs, rice, soda, hamburger helper, and other items. Lining up at the back door are mothers with young children, or the working poor, some people who've given up looking for jobs, older adults on a fixed income. When the emergency declaration for COVID-19 expired in early 2023, benefits for many families were cut back. That's when the pantry noticed a stream of new patrons flowing in. Would you be willing to chat with me for a minute? How often do you come here? This is my first time. First time? And why were you motivated to come?
3: Because these jobs out here don't give us enough hours to work for. CBS is not the job for me, but other than that, they don't give any, enough hours for us to do.
0: So have you been working at CBS?
3: I still work for by part-time, but one day a week is not enough.
0: And they, they don't have more hours available? Nope. Does that feel stressful to you?
3: Yes. Looking for something like for 20 hours a week and stuff like that, Monday through Friday. You're home and with everybody else and you're not working, we need the money. It's not, not the hours or anything like that. We need the money. Well, I work, but um, I only come if I'm very low on food. And Is that the
0: case today?
1: Yes. So I just, you know, um, if I need it, I come. I don't come just for the sake of coming you know, because I know there are people that, you know, really need food. And the people here know me, and they know that I only come when I need it.
0: You say you work. May I ask what you do?
1: I'm PCA,
0: personal care attendant. So you take care of older people? Yes, I do. And how many hours a week does that take?
1: I only work 20 hours.
0: Okay. And that can be hard work. I've been doing it for 40 years. Would you say that you're experiencing a situation where it can be a little difficult to make ends meet?
1: Definitely, especially with the um, price of um, things going up. I have my son and my um, my daughter-in-law and my granddaughter live with me and uh, because they have no place to go and trying to support them, you know, and they're looking for jobs and... And uh, my son just got a job, thank God. But uh, but meanwhile, the supplements, you know, what we can't buy, you know. Yeah, this is a great place. We serve about 80 to 100 families every week.
0: Do you come here as a volunteer?
1: Yeah, I'm a volunteer. Since I retired, it's my mission to feed hungry people. I retired 13 years ago.
0: I've been coming here for 13 years. Why is limiting hunger such a passion for you?
1: I'm a member of this church, which is the United Methodist Church, and it was founded by John Wesley, who basically
0: wanted to serve the poor. Well, you're carrying on his essence and his mission. My children need three square meals a day.
3: Now, my children need three square meals a day.
1: My children
3: need three square meals a day, Lord, and I ain't
0: going to be treated this way. Woody Guthrie in 1940, when millions went hungry in the Great Depression. Financial distress can sap the spirit. People may feel vulnerable and invisible. Today, nearly 40 million Americans are living in poverty, as measured by the Census Bureau. These include over 11 million children. And one in three older adults is considered economically insecure, even with Medicare and Social Security, according to the National Council on Aging. Mark Rank.
1: Within the United States, we've often thought of poverty as an issue of us versus them. And the them, you know, are various groups, but when we think about poverty, we often think of folks that are living in inner cities, folks that are people of color, somehow they're kind of out groups. And that's the way we've always kind of thought about poverty. Um, You know, the, the deeper sort of question with that is, is that, you know, individuals are basically to blame for their poverty.
0: If you're laid off through no fault of your own, or if you get sick, you could still end up at the food pantry. And of course, some people do find themselves in dire straits as the result of poor decisions they've made. But we've all made regrettable mistakes, sometimes whoppers. The difference may be that for people living on the edge with very little cushion, it's much harder to bounce back.
1: Rather than um, thinking about poverty as an issue of them, we really need to think about this as an issue of us.
0: A principle that was embraced by the Biden administration as America grappled with the public health crisis of the pandemic. But as Mark Rank points out, even before COVID-19, there were a lot of misconceptions about people who are struggling
1: most folks in poverty um white black hispanic do not live in inner cities some do and poverty is quite high there but there's more folks in poverty living in suburban areas and um and really the the most sort of deep entrenched poverty is actually in rural America. So places like Appalachia or the Mississippi Delta or um, uh, American Indian reservations, those are places that have actually the highest rates of poverty. We often don't think about that in our image of, you know, who is poor? um, Where does poverty reside? And, you know, part of that may be kind of out of sight, out of mind.
0: But it was difficult to be in denial when America hit the low point of the Depression a fourth of workers were rendered jobless. From director John Ford's 1940 film, The Grapes of Wrath, in which an Oklahoma tenant farmer was expelled from his home because the landlord determined it was no longer profitable.
3: We couldn't do on any less than what our share is now. Well, the children ain't getting enough to eat as it is. And they're so ragged. I can't help that. All I know is I got my orders. They told me to tell you to get off, and that's what I'm telling you. You mean get off my own land? Don't go into blaming me. It ain't my fault. Whose fault is it?
0: You know who owns the land, the Shawnee Land and Cattle Company. And who's the Shawnee Land and
3: Cattle Company? It ain't nobody. It's a company.
1: They got a president, ain't they? They got somebody who knows what a shotgun's for, ain't they?
3: Oh, son, it ain't his fault because the bank tells him what to do. All right. Where's the bank? Tulsa. What's the use of picking on him? He ain't nothing but the manager. And he's half crazy himself, trying to keep up with his orders from the East. Then who do we shoot? Brother, I don't know. If I did, I'd tell you. I just don't know who's to blame. I'm right here to tell you, mister, there ain't nobody gonna push me off my land.
0: We're examining poverty in America. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. For more information about this segment, Living on the Edge, and to obtain audio downloads or CDs, please visit humanmedia.org. And you can send us an email, all at humanmedia.org. Today, a large swath of our population is squeezed by the impacts of income inequality. The Economic Policy Institute in Washington calculates that the top 1% of Americans now hold a record share of earnings, while the bottom 90% has hit an historic low.
2: The growing gap between the rich and the poor in this country is a direct result of policy decisions, not the immorality and the lack of personal um, work of poor people.
0: Reverend William Barber, now at Yale University, leads the Poor People's Campaign.
2: Policy decisions made here in Washington and in our state capitals, but those decisions have been supported by well-funded myths. Corporate interests have sent their representatives here to preach personal responsibility and the danger of government intervention. But the truth is we must take a collective responsibility for the inequality, the unjust laws and systems created— God did not make us poor. Greed and abuse and power make us poor.
0: The U.S. Constitution in Article 1 tasks Congress with providing for the general welfare. And much of today's anti-poverty insurance system was formulated by the U.S. government in the Depression, when the lifetime savings of many Americans were wiped out. To the chagrin of congressional opponents, these basic safeguards became woven into the fabric of American life. Democratic President Franklin Roosevelt in 1935.
3: This Social Security measure gives at least some protection to 30 millions of our citizens who will reap direct benefits through unemployment compensation, through old-age pensions,
0: and through increased services for the protection of children and the prevention of ill health. But a half-century later, the pendulum had swung in the opposite direction. Republican President Ronald Reagan in 1987.
1: Last year, in my State of the Union message, I called for an overhaul of our welfare system. Since that time, I've sent to Congress a carefully designed package of proposals that rejects the old federal approach of sweeping solutions dictated from
0: Washington. For millions of Americans, though, the crucial protection of medical coverage was significantly left out. In an attempt to fill that gap, the Clinton administration in the 1990s proposed grand plans, but lobbyists for the insurance industry and others pushed back. Ultimately, it was under the Affordable Care Act, which passed in 2010, that about 20 million people, including many low-income Americans, gained access to health care. President Barack Obama at the White House signing ceremony.
3: This year, tens of thousands of uninsured Americans with pre-existing conditions, the parents of children who have a pre-existing condition, will finally be able to purchase the coverage they need. This year, insurance companies will no longer be able to drop people's coverage when they get sick or place they won't be able to place lifetime limits or restrictive annual limits on the amount of care they can receive. This year, year, all new insurance plans will be required to offer free preventive care. And this year, young adults will be able to stay on their parents' policies until they are 26 years old. That happens this year. The new
0: law, which came to be known as Obamacare, did have its problems, notably with the rocky rollout of the ACA website in 2013. Republican opponents waged a fierce fight over the requirement that all eligible adults purchase an insurance policy. A public option offering a Medicare-for-all model was thwarted in congressional negotiations. In time, though, despite its limitations, the benefits of Obamacare are now supported by a solid majority of Americans, and the program was never dislodged. But Obama's Republican successor, Donald Trump, did try... TONIGHT I AM ALSO CALLING ON THIS CONGRESS TO REPEAL AND REPLACE OBAMACARE. REPUBLICAN SENATE LEADER MITCH MCCONNELL.
3: SEVEN YEARS AFTER OBAMACARE WAS IMPOSED ON OUR COUNTRY, WE WILL VOTE ON THE CRITICAL FIRST STEP TO FINALLY MOVE BEYOND ITS FAILURES. MANY OF US HAVE MADE COMMITMENTS TO OUR CONSTITUENTS TO PROVIDE RELIEF FROM THIS FAILED LEFT-WING Experiment.
0: But the Trump administration and its congressional allies were never able to agree on a feasible replacement. They faced many of the twists and turns that had confronted Democrats earlier when painstaking negotiations gave birth to the Affordable Care Act. Donald Trump at the White House addressing the nation's governors in 2017. It's an unbelievably complex subject. Nobody knew that health care could be so complicated. And when Senator John McCain of Arizona, then battling cancer, gestured his famous thumbs down on the floor of the Senate, Trump's attempt to topple Obamacare was doomed. For all of its intricacy, the Affordable Care Act did bring many tangible benefits even some skeptics eventually embraced.
2: In Maryland, there was a program that offered some limited assistance for folks who didn't have insurance.
0: Physician Keisha Davis is the health officer for Montgomery County, Maryland. She remembers conditions before the state accepted Obamacare's Medicaid coverage for needy Americans.
2: You got, I think, around six primary care visits a year, a discount on medications, some limited labs. Um, which for a patient who has a lot of health problems that really isn't much it doesn't go very far and when the affordable care act was enacted and medicaid was expanded that you know by the stroke of midnight on January 1st converted over to medicaid and i remember having a conversation with a patient who actually was not in favor of the Affordable Care Act, and she was on this program, and we were struggling to try and get her a CAT scan and some specialized medications, and she was going on and on about Obamacare and how she didn't think that was a good thing, and I just stopped her and I said, you do realize that you are one of the people who is going to benefit, and after this is in place, this test that we are trying to get and these medications that you need, you will now have access to, and she just stopped in her tracks and she said, oh, I didn't realize it was going to benefit me. Um, and so, you know, I definitely saw the transition, especially in a place like Maryland that expanded Medicaid um, early on and very robustly, the difference that it made in patients being able to access the care. It didn't take away all of the struggle, but it certainly made things a little bit easier um, in in how we treat and the the access that they have to the medications and specialists and labs and studies that they need.
0: Earlier in her medical career, Dr. Davis made a commitment to serve low-income patients.
2: After residency, I joined a community health center um, outside of Baltimore. and. That's really where you saw the effects of poverty. Many of our patients were immigrants who had no insurance, um, and so they were you know, getting by on our sliding scale, sliding fee schedule. Um, and it was in Howard County, Maryland, which while being one of the richest counties in the nation, also had, like many other uh, well-to-do counties, had these pockets of poverty um, of folks who are often unseen. And so um, patients really dealing with that stress of here I am in a place where folks all around me have resources and they don't, Um, struggling to get their medications, get their food, having to make decisions on uh, do I get this prescription or do I get gas or do I get food? Um, And so really having to help patients navigate that landscape.
0: This is Arlington Eats, a nonprofit serving a different Boston suburb. Their free market, which is staffed mostly by volunteers, is available to any resident of Arlington, Massachusetts, an upper middle class community. Funded by donations and grants, the market is open 11 hours a week and features an impressive selection of fresh produce. I met a woman here named Hope Joint. She was born in Kenya, Africa living in the United States now for about 16 years. She said her three children have special needs due to birth abnormalities.
3: One is turning 18, and the other is 14, and the youngest one is 11.
0: And are they in some kind of a special education course?
3: They are not in school, um, so... They have therapies that come at home.
0: Hope said they live in subsidized Section 8 housing but still pay $1,000 for monthly rent. That's a considerable discount for this part of the Boston area. She can't afford cell phone service, so a neighbor takes messages for her. Typically, Hope visits Arlington Eats once a week.
3: You know, when you walk into a pantry, I think it's a cross-section of people. It's, it's you know... Um, people who've been prof- in professional lives and have lost their jobs for whatever reason I was reading the paper and I saw massive layoffs at Google. who knows what they have on their plate now with that gone, how are they going to make ends meet right they're, they're probably gonna find themselves in a situation like us but for different reasons with different factors. you know a person like mine is medically driven this is what drew me here and interfered with my personal dreams, you know, dreams myself to develop myself and and do things I would have wanted. I wake up in the morning and I wish I had done this and I wish I had done this. I wish I would finished college. And it's not for lack of wanting or lack of drive or lack of motivation. Um, This happens.
0: For an earlier episode, I visited a different pantry with my microphone. I noticed that patrons there wouldn't make eye contact with me, apparently ashamed that they needed this kind of help. Some people report being constantly watched and scrutinized. A certain social stigma attaches to recipients of this assistance.
3: One time, someone, a friend of mine was homeless, and their child said something in school that they were homeless, and the teacher said, oh, that's because they are lazy. We're never really understanding how they got there, why they were homeless, what happened. Uh, it's just a cultural perception, right? And so, and I think for us in that situation, you either have to look at it and say, how do I get myself from under out of this and keep trying every day and not give up in hoping that an opening will open up.
0: What kind of opening do you think might open up for you? Or what are you hoping for?
3: I just want my kids to be able to have meaning in their lives. You know, um, uh, you know, as a mother, that's my first thing, I have to take care of it. You know, I mean, when we don't, you, know, you can see what happens in the street when children are not supervised and run into the wrong group and what happens. Yeah, So for me, I think that's my priority first before anything else. And that priority then dictates when and where I can go to work.
0: Let's talk about job opportunities for people who are trying to lift themselves up economically. How hard is it for poor folks to obtain decent jobs in this economy?
1: If you look at the United States over the last, oh, 40, 50 years, what's happened is that we've actually done a fairly good job in terms of creating jobs mark rank of washington university our rates of unemployment although still too high are are much lower than in, in many other for example european countries so we've done pretty well in terms of creating jobs the problem That more and more of those jobs that are being created are low-paying jobs and jobs that don't have benefits. So today in the United States, it's estimated that about 40% of all jobs in the United States are considered low-paying jobs. And by low-paying, I'm talking about below $17, $18 an hour. Um, In addition, Many, many of these jobs do not provide benefits, particularly health care benefits. And so, you know, you can be working at, you know, a a job like at Burger King or wherever, um, certainly full time, and, you know, you're still going to find yourself in poverty. So that's, uh, to me, that's one of the key problems um, and one of the key uh, reasons for poverty is that we don't provide enough livable wage jobs that can support folks and those jobs don't um, often don't have key benefits that people need to live a a, a livable life, including health care, um, retirement benefits, other things as well.
0: So that sort of compounds the low wage to not have appropriate benefits.
1: Yeah, that's right. And, and the, the social safety net in the United States is incredibly weak. So if you compare what we offer in terms of kind of protections to people versus other countries, we're, we're the only industrialized country that does not have universal health care. I mean, think about that, every, basically every other, you know, high economy country provides universal health care, we don't. And the reason is, we don't view that as a human right. Most other countries say, you know what, having access to health care is a human right. Here it's on your own, you know, if, if you can afford it, great, if you can't, then you don't get anything. And that's, again, that's kind of the mindset that we have in this country.
0: Coming up, how the stress of poverty can affect your health. And we listen to moving stories of low-income Americans from a remarkable hearing before Congress, when Living on the Edge continues on humankind in a moment.
3: The executive producer is David Freudberg. Please subscribe to our free weekly podcast. The title is Humankind on Public Radio. You can find it at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all major podcast services, as well as through our website. Again, the podcast title is Humankind on Public Radio. And if you'd like to support our program, please visit humankindpodcast.org. And at the top, click on How You Can Help. Thank you.